Parashat Yisava, we presented with the mitzvah, the Klai Yisrael will fulfill when they come into Eretz Yisrael, and that is to gather the entire Jewish people. Half of them, six tribes will be standing on Har Grizim, and the other six on Har Ebel, and the elders of the Levim and the Kainim, together with Har Nakodesh, will be placed in the middle, the valley between the two mountains. And they'll turn to Hargrizim. And they will say a bracha, which the Torah delineates what the brachas are meant to be, and the entire nation will say Amen. And then they'll turn to Haraval and they'll say a klala. The same words, just in the negative, and the entire nation will say Amen. And there are 11 specific points which the Pasuk describes what the Kalim and the Levim would say a bracha towards Hargrizim and a klara towards Harevo. But the question I want to ask, and it's the question many of us should ask, and that is if the Torah has to describe the ceremony to us, and the Torah has to dictate to us what exactly are the curses and the blessings that are going to be said with Hargrizim and Harevo. So then why does the Torah only mention the curses? Surely the Torah should mention the brachas as well, or at least if one only wanted to mention one, then why doesn't the Torah mention the brachas? We understand. Every bracha had a klara. Every klara had a bracha. So if one has to choose one of them to write to the Torah, why did the Torah choose the negative? Why did the Torah describe the 11 klaras? There's another question I want to ask also. We know that there are two words in Lashon HaKodesh for creation. The one is Bria and the one is Yitzira. But there's a difference between them. The Ramban explains in the beginning of Bereshis that Bria means creation out of nothingness. And that's something only HaKodesh Baruch is capable of. Our fashioning existence when there was previously no existence. Whereas Yitzira means to fashion something, to form it. And therefore, it denotes forming something new, but out of base materials, raw ingredients which already existed. That's why a craftsman in Ashna Kodesh is called a Yitzira. He takes clay and he forms it into pottery. He takes wood and he carves furniture. What is created is something new, but it's utilizing raw materials which already existed. And therefore, if we would ask between the concept of Bria and the concept of Yitzira, what's a higher form of creation? I think we would all agree that Bria, creation from nothingness, is a higher form of creation. Something, as we said previously, only HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a bayre. Only HaKadosh Baruch Hu is capable of doing. And therefore, with that in mind, let's learn a Pasuk in Yeshaya. A Pasuk which is paraphrased in davening every day. And Hashem says, Ki ani Hashem yoytzer or uvayre choyshech. Hashem is yoytzer the light 
and is Borei the darkness. So the Lashon Yetzira is used to describe light and the Lashon Bria is used to describe darkness. The Apostle continues, Oyse Shalom Ra. Same thing, when it talks about the creation of Ra, of evil, so once again, the form of creation described is Bria. You paraphrase it in Shalom and say, Borei Esakol. You don't want to say something negative, but Esakol, everything means to include even the Ra. And the question is, when it comes to Tov, when it comes to creating what's good, we use a lower form of creation, Yitzira, and when it comes to Ra, we talk about a higher form of creation, of Bria. Why would that be the case? Let's begin by understanding a concept which the Ramchal explains to us. A deeper point of Ashkafa which we need to think about. The Ramchal asks a question. We know that the Torah is the blueprint for the world. The famous Zohar is Takel Boy Raiso Bara Alma. Hashem looks to the Torah to create the world. And if the Torah is the blueprint for the world, then the Torah should define what happens in the world. Which means something that the Torah describes as existing should exist, and something the Torah describes as not existing should not exist. And if that's the case, asks the Ramchal, everything the Torah says should not happen. Everything the Torah says should not be done. So that should make it impossible to do. For example, if the Torah says that non-kosher animals should not be eaten, then ask the Ramchal if that's the case. When Hashem's fashioning the world based on that Torah, it should render non-kosher animals inedible. The Torah says they're not meant to be eaten. Another question, to make it more clear. If the Torah says a baggage, sewn of linen and wool should not be worn with shatness, so then why doesn't the Metzius of the world make such a thing impossible? The world forms around the Torah. So how can it be that the Torah prescribes something and it's still possible to do? The fact that the Torah doesn't want it to happen asks the Ramchal should render it impossible to happen. In fact, there is a such a position. Not regarding physical things, but regarding the effect of one's actions. We know that certain times a person does an action, it has halachic significance. It can make halachic, so to speak, status apply. And the Gemara asks a question in Tzmura. Something that the Torah forbids. If a person would do it, would it have the halachic, so to speak, status or not? In other words, in the words of the Gemara, Everything the Torah says not to do, 
The Gemara asks the Ovid Mahani, Mahani. If a person does it, a, terror, a person transgresses what the Torah says, will it have the effect or not? It's a machlekes in the Gemara between Abai and Rav. And Rav's opinion that the Ovid Mahani. A person who does what the Torah says not to do, it won't work. It can't be done. So, for example, we know that by certain forbidden marriages, the Torah says such a marriage should not take place. And therefore, if a person would do it, the marriage won't happen. They won't be considered halakhically married. So, when it comes to halas, when it comes to the effect of one's actions, so if there is such a state, what the Torah forbids is impossible. But coming back to the question of the Ramchal, why is it that when it's regarding actions which the Torah forbids, we see it is possible to do? A person can eat non-kosher food. And the Ramchal answers, and this is his principle, that the world was fashioned around the Torah. But the Torah, in the sense of instructions to Klal Yisrael, which we are meant to obey. And therefore, if what the Torah would say was that a non-kosher animal is inedible, and it would be inedible, then a person wouldn't be presented with a mitzvah which he has to obey. Because he has no option. Something a person can't eat, he won't eat. If a Torah is speaking to the person and giving him an instruction which he can choose to listen to and be rewarded for that, or he can choose to disobey and be punished, which is the fundamental point of Bechira, then listen to this, what the Ramchal says. It's a deep point. Says the Ramchal, that itself gives existence to the option against the Torah. In order to allow a person to decide and choose to obey the Torah, that itself has to make the ability that exists that a person can disobey the Torah. And therefore, this is the deep point, even though that's not what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted, the world Hashem wanted was a world of people obeying the Torah. The reality Hashem wanted there to be was the reality based on what the Torah wants. But in order to allow people to have Bechira, there has to also be the option of a person disobeying the Torah. Which means the Torah itself allows for the possibility the Torah itself allows for the possibility of a reality different to the Torah. And therefore, to make it practical, the mitzvah, or the avera, I should say, not to eat non-kosher food, itself creates the reality that non-kosher food can be eaten. It's not a reality that the Torah wants, but it's a reality the Torah has to allow for. In that sense, the Torah, and now when Hashem creates the world based on Torah, means two different concepts of world. There's the world the Torah wants and describes, and the world the Torah proscribes but allows to happen 
Because of that, that there would be no Bechira. Now if we think about it, the world the Torah wants is less of a Chiddush. That's an actualization in the physical plane of the world of Ruchnias. That's the way that this world on a lower level would be a mirror of a higher spiritual world. If one wants, it's just reforming the world Hashem wants, but in a physical dimension. That's called Yitzirah. That's called being Yitzir. Whereas the world which the Torah allows for, the world which would exist if a person chooses to do wrong, is a new world. It's a world which doesn't have a higher counterpart. It's a world which really is not meant to be. What we call the world of Ra. And therefore that's something different. That's a Bria. That's a new creation. And it's a Chiddush that such a creation can happen. And as we said, it only happens because without that, the Torah wouldn't, wouldn't be instructing somebody. The Torah wouldn't command because there would be no option to do different. And therefore, let's sum up the point again. By giving us mitzvahs, instruction, the Torah is allowing for a possibility of us disobeying those mitzvahs. And if there would be no reality, such a thing couldn't happen, it would be impossible, then people wouldn't be able to disobey. And therefore the Torah itself, in wanting to give us mitzvahs, in wanting to give us the option of keeping the mitzvahs, has to allow for a new possibility of people not keeping the mitzvahs. And that will create a new concept which isn't meant to really be. That's being boireira. It's a creation, something new. That's the bigger chiddush. That's why also the fact that when people keep the Torah, there's a concept of bracha is natural. The Ramban says that it's understood that every success, every hatzlacha, every bracha comes naturally when a person follows what Hashem wants. That's the system Hashem wanted there to be. That's a natural system the world's meant to follow. HaKadosh Baruch Hu provides and people take. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives and HaKadosh Baruch Hu helps people grow. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a source of bracha and chesed and shefa. And people are the intended recipients of their bracha and their shefa. That's natural. But wandering into a new metzius, a metzius of ra, a metzius of a world which isn't the way Hashem wants it to be, a metzius of people who are disobeying Hashem, just like that reality is a bria, it's a new construction, it's a new creation. So same thing, 
how HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to deal with that new creation is also something new. And that's the concept of the Kloda. The Kloda is defining a new, so to speak, terms and conditions of how Hashem deals with the world, which is a new world. A new world, necessarily a good world. A new world, which is a bad world. A world different to what Hashem wanted it to be. And therefore, there's a Bria of Chayshech, of a Hanhaga different to the way Hashem wanted it to exist. That's Klada. That's punishment. And therefore, if the Torah had to decide of the two, which one to describe, the Bracha or the Klada, the Torah describes the Klada. Because the Klada is the Chiddush. It's defining something new which is being created. Obviously, at the beginning of the Pasuk, when it says, Borei Choshech, it doesn't mean the Choshech, the darkness at night, is something bad. But it's a similar idea. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu has, in Ruchni terms, we refer to him as light. And therefore, the fact that that translates into physical light is a Yetzirah. It's changing the nature of something, but starting from a concept which exists. Whereas the existence of darkness, the existence of an absence of that, doesn't exist in the spiritual world. Like we said in the Pasuk, that HaKadosh Baruch is surrounded by light. And therefore creating the existence of darkness is something new, is something different. That's why that's also a prayer. The truth is, there's a more partial answer also, which is why the Muslim of Hashim suggests in different words. I'll bring it out with the story. They say that at the beginning of the Muslim movement in Europe, when Rabbi Israel and his students we were trying to introduce Muslim to the yeshiva curriculum and convince the various Russian yeshiva of the importance of learning Musa. It wasn't taken for granted. There was a considerable amount of opposition to the idea. There were some very prestigious yeshivas that didn't learn Musa, such as Velazhin. And the story goes that the Alta, he tried to send his best students as mashkichim to the various yeshivas to incorporate Musa into their syllabus, into their learning. And the story goes that the yeshivas Mir at the time had, hadn't yet been a Musa-styled yeshiva. And the Alta sent his top student, Rabbi Yerucham Levavitz, to the Mir to change that. It was known in the Mir in Europe where not just younger students, but the older students, people of stature in their own right. And a lot of them resisted the idea of changing the nature of yeshiva to a Muslim-style yeshiva. And therefore, when Yerucham came, the story goes, and he tried to institute a Muslim seder into the yeshiva. The first day of the seder, in protest, the bathroom all went up to the Ezus Nashim, which was on the first floor. And continued learning Gemara instead of being in the best major learning Muslim. Rabbi Yerucham comes 
and he sees an empty base medrash. He goes up to his nashim and he sees everybody learning Gemara. Now, whether or not the Bachim wanted to listen to Rabbi Yerucham, but for sure he was a man of stature, somebody who was respected by everyone. And the story goes that when Rabbi Yerucham comes up to his nashim, he sees everybody in defiance of his rule learning upstairs. So he bangs on the table for attention. And when the room quietens down somewhat, Rabbi Yerucham declared at the top of his voice. He said, if anybody is not downstairs learning within five minutes, I'm going to be the one to make sure that they get punished in the residential matter. I'll be there to prosecute them. And the story goes that the effect that had on the Bachrim and the Yeshiva was so strong that there were Bachrim jumping out the window of the first floor to make sure they'd be in the best Midrash in time to learn Musa. Now if we can understand the effect of Rabbi Yerucham, so to speak, pounding the table, saying, I'm going to be the one to guarantee that they get punished in Shemaim. I'll be there to prosecute them. We can understand the effect of the clarity of the Torah. Can one imagine Moshe Rabbeinu? Moshe Rabbeinu, all the Kainim, all the elders of the Jewish people, turning to Klai Yisrael and saying, We're going to guarantee he gets cursed. And that was the effect it was meant to have. That was the point. To get brachas, of course. But the effect of giving the Klaudus, what the Klaudus should feel, we don't want to be cursed. And therefore the impact of the Klaudus is much stronger, which is what the Torah mentions. That's the second answer to the question. But going back to the principle we brought before, and that is the creation of Ra, is something which is the Chiddush. And it's a, something which allows people to have Bechir. We can understand with this a very enigmatic Gemara. The Gemara in Bavakamad of Samach base. And the Gemara there says that two Amorayim, both the of Yitzchak, one asked him for a Chiddush in learning, one asked for a Chiddush in Agadita. Now Yitzchak pleases both of them. And he learns two dinim from the same Pasuk. One Chiddush in Limud and one Chiddush in Agadit. And the Pasuk is, the Torah says, if a fire goes out and it burns thorns and it consumes a haystack or a pile of wheat, Shalem Yishalem HaMavir Sabeira. The one who let the fire is responsible to pay. We call it the Mazak of Aish. Someone lights a fire, the fire spreads and causes damage. The person who let the fire is Chayev to pay. Now there's an inconsistency in the Pasuk. The Pasuk begins talking about the fire, not the person who lit it. Ki when a fire goes out. It doesn't say when a person lights a fire. It talks about the subject being the fire. And yet the Pasuk finishes and it says, Shalem Yishalem HaMavir The one who lit the fire has to pay. Why does it change? So the aside is like this. 
The Gemara says that we understand if a person, let's say, throws an error. And the error goes, it causes damage and flight. The person who threw the errors has to pay. What we call, it's it's his error, it's a direct action which he caused, and therefore it's his responsibility. But that's by shitting an error. When it comes to lighting a fire, a fire will spread. But it doesn't necessarily spread the same way an error does. It doesn't follow the trajectory of the person who intended it to go. It's going to spread and one doesn't know where it's going to reach. And nevertheless, even if the fire originally started small and then grew and then burnt thorns and eventually reached somebody else's wheat and caused destruction, the one who lit the fire has to pay. Says the Gemara, we see, a fire isn't something which is automatically assumed to be the result of a person's action. It wasn't like he threw a, a flaming torch and burned something. He lit a fire. The fire spread by itself. But the responsibility goes back to the person who lit it. We consider the fire to be his arrow wherever the fire is going to go. And therefore, he's responsible. That's the Chiddush in Limud. And what's the Chiddush in Agarita? And this will need explanation. The Gemara says, Amar HaKadosh Baruch Ani Hitzati Eish B'Tzian. I was the one who lit the fire which burnt the base of Mikdash. And therefore, it's, I have to, it's my responsibility to rebuild it. I'm guilty, as it were, for lighting the fire which built the base, which destroyed the base of Mikdash. And therefore, I'm responsible to rebuild it. Why was Hashem responsible for lighting the fire which built the base of, burnt the base of Mikdash? We did that. It was Aravarius which destroyed the base of Mikdash. And the answer is the Yisrael we just said. We caused the fire to spread. But the existence of that fire wasn't from us. Hashem created, when He created the world, the existence of wrath. That such a thing could exist. The existence of Klala. That such a thing could exist. That, as we said, was a Bria. People took that option of doing Ra and developed it. They took that spark and created a whole world of Ra. They used it to cause a fire which burnt the entire, the entire the world, which wiped out the base of Mikdash. That's the spread of that fire. That's the, fr- the fire of Ra which has been used and has been developed to become a tremendous destructive force. But we saw the rule of Aish is that even though the person who lit the fire didn't cause the damage, the wind might have blown it, something else caused it to spread. Responsibility in some way goes back to where it began from. And therefore... It's true, Klai Yisrael developed the Ra. Klai Yisrael used it to get to, to bring us to unimaginable depths, to metamid the world, to cause the Khurban. But the existence of Ra, the initial Bria, which caused, could have caused it to happen, which allowed it to happen, HaKadosh Baruch created. 
And therefore, in some way, Hashem says, it's my responsibility for what came out of that ra. And therefore, it's my responsibility to fix it. And how Hashem do that? The Pasuk says about the future, In place of the fire which burnt the Beis HaMikdash, in the future, Hashem will say there will be a wall of fire to protect the Beis HaMikdash. How does that reverse the damage? And the answer is, in the world of today, when there is an option, it's something people can use and develop and, be- and cause to become a negative force. But in the world Hashem wanted there to be, a world which follows the Torah the way the Torah is meant to be kept, then there's no option for us. And we guarantee this will happen in the future. All the evil will disappear like smoke. When Hashem takes away the Yetzirah, He takes away the Satan, then there won't be the option of creation which is against the Torah. Then there will only be left the option of the world of perfection, the world Hashem wants there to be. And that will undo from the source, so to speak, the fire which could eventually be developed to destroy the base of Megdash. And then it will be the other way around. It will be a protection around the base of Megdash. But no Ra will be able to enter it.